Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Michael, thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you Asis. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh Perfect. I mean, yes. I, I've been listening to the podcast uh, uh, you know, after you invite me, and I love it. So, you know, I'm double happy today. So thank you <laughs> very much. That's great. That's great. So, Michael, please tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk about your venture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm Michael. Uh, I'm 33 years old uh, today. Yeah, I'm growing. And... So, you know, my plan was never to be involved into business. I was uh, always in love with mathematics. I want to be a mathematician. Uh, but the mathematician, in Greece at least, you know, he can only work at school. So, you know, my parents told me, okay, you should become a software engineer. There is a lot of uh, uh, mathematics there. So, you know, don't skip the opportunity. So... After school, I joined uh, electrical computer engineering. Uh, to be honest, <clears throat> I didn't like it uh, so much. So I was really bored. And after three years, I completely wanted to quit. And um, at this point, I found an opportunity in Dubai. So by the way, I, I'm, I was born and raised in Athens, uh, in Greece. So uh, while I was... Uh, 1920 this age i found an opportunity in dubai uh I, I, the motto was we built robots in the desert so i uh, applied for a scholarship i joined their team for one and a half year it was one of my best experience in the life uh, so i stayed in a completely different country in completely different language everything was completely new to me because it was completely outside of europe different culture so at this point i realized that what i love it i love doing is i want to innovate i loved uh, uh, innovation i loved uh, working with uh, people from all over the world i and um you know at this lab, we were building humanoid robots. So what I could see in the movies, I, I was able to build it. So I said, okay, you know, there are actually no limitations. So, you know, I was almost 20 years old and I said to myself, my only limitations are the ones I put to myself. So I come back to Greece uh, after this experience. I, I wanted to finish my university. I wanted to get my university degree. Again, I was super bored, so I started a new venture, uh, a social network with some friends. It it was okay for quite some time, um, but then we were too young to uh, to pursue this, and uh, there weren't a lot of uh, funding opportunities uh, in Greece at this point, so we stopped it. And then I joined on a PhD. My PhD was uh, in artificial intelligence and the next phase of web. That was a very, very interesting uh, opportunity because, again, I, I could do what I loved, which means 
innovate, uh, traveling around the world, meeting with people, working with people. So this was uh, one of my favorite ones. And um, at some point I realized that, okay, you know, you can do this, you can be in academia, but academia is very, very slow and I wanted to go faster. So I realized that the true potential is in uh, uh, private companies, private companies like Google, like Amazon, or mm-hmm. you know, many other companies. They have uh, the resources to actually produce innovation. Uh, the innovation they produce, we all have them on the fo- on our phones or on our computers. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something similar. I tried to join companies. I realized that my academia background wasn't as appealing. So I started uh, working with companies. And at this point, I met um, Chris and Drew, and we started Orpheum, and then we started with with Metrop. So, you know, six years ago, Mm -hmm. Orpheum starts, and even though for the first two years, I wasn't a true believer, and I guess we're going to be talking about Orpheum, Mm-hmm. Then my life changed, and here we are, Orpheum. Wow. So, so what, why do you say like your uh, academic background was not very uh, attractive? The academic, so I had some interviews. Uh, no, because I do a lot of blogging, I was also doing academic articles. Uh, companies were finding me, and they were, you know, mm-hmm. want to hire me. Mm-hmm. But uh, what they told me. Well, okay, you know, you have, let's say, X uh, years of experience uh, mm-hmm. because most of this is from academia. We only consider half of it. And I was like, whoa. So oh. I actually uh, spend my time and there is no future. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I couldn't waste any more time because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I always knew I was going to work in a company. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing because I think it happens to many of us. Um, uh, ultimately, when you go out into the market, job market, mm-hmm. they look for uh, the real work experience. Uh, uh, and yeah, it can become tricky sometimes. Yeah. By the way, since we're on this point, um, I had many interviews and even later in my career uh, with Amazon, Facebook, mm-hmm. and you know all, all the big companies right nobody nobody ever looked uh, at my academical certification nobody cared about the phd nobody cared about you know a nice degree or masters nothing literally oh. they only cared about my blog or my github or my actual experience of building a team of 120 people so you know those are the qualifications mm-hmm. they want to see but mm-hmm. regarding certifications nothing so mm-hmm. Also, when I hire for my teams, for my companies, uh, I'm always like, okay, guys, you know, let's see if the guy has the skills, don't care about his degrees. And uh, even thus, let's hire for culture first and then skills. Because, you know, if somebody has the appetite and he's motivated enough, he can learn React. Mm-hmm. For example, even if he's uh, just a JavaScript developer, you know, but so, we look for other qualifications mainly. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. I think I think we'll touch upon this more uh, into the later part. But I think uh, we'll, uh, listeners will definitely be very interested to know your perspective on hiring. Uh, so, 
so michael mm. tell us a little bit about uh, uh, orphan if i'm able to pronounce it correctly yeah yes 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 orphan is the name i'm currently the cto of orphan mm-hmm. uh, um so it's never easy to explain uh, what we do so what i'll say we're a technology company in the music industry and the whole uh, entertainment industry i'm focusing now also on audiovisual what we do we help rights holders music companies media companies find uh, losses on their royalties so there is a lot of uh, unused royalties that we help them track and also we help them manage and grow based on their royalties databases so we are helping them have uh, technology solutions on their infrastructure on their day-to-day so this is also our vision uh, up to this point you know help uh, those companies uh, optimize their process mm-hmm. isn't it uh, like a very glamorous work you do you interact with like mu- uh, music producers uh, etc like who's your touch point we mainly work with uh, uh, some major record label major publishers we speak to some of the studios uh, that you all know uh, so you know quotes quotes uh, we're doing the boring stuff for the industry you know we want to be like the drop box and i don't say you know uh, boring in an offensive way but uh, i love boring you know uh, applications that you set up they just work and you forget about them um, mm-hmm. this is what we want to be so you know obviously our clients they're doing the funny stuff they meet with the artists they produce the music blah 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 but it, there's also a lot of boring stuff behind the scenes uh, because the industry is global uh, we always have to remind ourselves that uh, uh, whenever Ariana Grande produces a new song, that's a global product. Everybody consumes that. So there is receipts, accounting happening all over the globe just for this particular song. And at the end of the year, somebody has to gather all those and you know send the payouts. This is a very, very complicated uh, uh, job, especially in the streaming area era. So... A How lot do you of stuff. How do you solve this problem? Like, okay, we haven't solved the problem completely. This is a very, very big problem, and it has a lot of aspects. What we're doing, we're solving the problem step by step, and uh, because you know, not all the problems are clear, or as the industry grows, more platforms are adding. You know the the complication becomes bigger so you know this is a continuing progress but uh, mm-hmm. just to answer the how we mainly develop uh, AI solutions we try to have let's say agents AI agents tracking the web tracking the internet find out uh, usage trying to understand what's use usage uh, that should be paid or what um, uh, what shouldn't be tracked uh, so there's a lot of things happening we consider ourselves to be more of an algorithmic company and a data company rather than anything else 
So mm-hmm. we invest a lot into, you know, uh, improving our algorithms and our data platform internally. And, you know, obviously we create uh, products to uh, be the interface with those technologies we build. So from where all do you collect data uh, to monitor this particular aspect? Um, so, you know, I cannot speak about everything, uh, mm-hmm. but I'll say our clients know us uh, about YouTube. Uh, we've done a, a very good job on uh, tracking YouTube, collecting royalties. We're doing this also with the help of YouTube. That's why, you know, I can speak about this publicly. We're also okay. working with other uh, uh, companies and we're actually developing our relationship right now. But, uh, you know, most uh, in the industry, they know us as a YouTube guys because this is where we started. And actually, we started from YouTube because that was the most difficult problem to solve. You have to understand um, hundreds of millions of uh, new video up- is uploaded every day. I, I, I mean, I cannot know the number because, you know, mm-hmm. it grows daily. But all this may or may not contain music and may or may not uh, have to pay for this. So, you know, it's a very, very, very difficult problem that, you know, Google has to solve. And uh, obviously, they've, you know, provided tools they help companies that want to help them. Blah blah. blah. It's a it's a it's a very interesting uh, task, and also because of the volume of the of this, you know, you have to have uh, sophisticated algorithms because just brute force technology, or you know, even worse, just having people doing this, uh, it's it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's basically if I want to simplify the process, so. Uh, uh, yeah. there are many videos which are getting uploaded to YouTube, for example, may, maybe variations of uh, Ariana Grande songs or etc. And you help them understand, identify what is the right uh, number of streams which has happened, the count, count of streams. Yes, on a very high level, you could say this. And this is, you know, our most popular product. This is how we started. But then we realized, you know, more and more problems. So, you know, one of our best products that our clients love is about um, a database where they can uh, have the rights, they can manage, uh, they can see, you know, you, you have to understand that those companies, they have global presentations since the products are global. So mm-hmm. they have many, many, many sub-departments and maybe... Uh, in India, they have like seven or ten different sub-departments, different presences. So they don't just take statements from countries. They have different uh, organizational structures within the countries. And maybe, you know, those departments, they have new artists that design. And uh, then, you know, the mother company should always know about this at the end of the year and uh, account for it. So you know, it's a it's a problem that has a lot of input from various sides and new data is added every day. New, you know, new songs are produced, new deals are happening, 
contracts are getting transferred from one uh, company to another a lot of new content is getting produced new mixes new everything so it's it's just big mm-hmm. and you know we're we're using everything big data to solve it and so what has been the most uh, difficult aspect michael uh, in running such sort of setup like hiring sales what aspect is the most challenging aspect Uh, mm-hmm. well obviously the most challenging aspect uh, for that is uh, uh, you know f- of that for me is that I was an engineer I had many mainly academic background I was like enough to you know be in Orpheum where it started exploding and um It was challenging for me to decide, okay, what my role is going to be. So at mm-hmm. some point I, I had to say, okay, now I should stop coding. From now on, I should manage the team. What mm-hmm. manage means? Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't the season manager. I, I, I didn't have much experience. So I had to decide what does this mean for me? So for me, management was more of a servant management where I'm there to help the rest of the business code so you know this is how it started so because we grow so fast we double or triple year over year my role changes all the time so i can never be comfortable into a situation you know after six months when i learn you know my current role my current position my new duties i have to change again So, at some point, I realized, okay, you know, I'm not a manager. I'm just there to help the company grow. What does this mean? I'll do almost every job needed to help the whole business grow, the teams grow, the managers that report to me, the teams that report to the managers that report to me. So, it's a, it's a very complicated uh, thing to do. And uh, I realized that, okay, yeah, people who have done this before, they have the experience. That's why they run. Uh, we call them serial, serial entrepreneurs because they've done this many times. They know how to do mm-hmm. this. They know to avoid pitfalls. But for first-timers like me, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not an easy procedure. So, uh, so currently, how do you so how do you classify your role? I mean, so uh, currently, what sort of challenges you are facing, and how do you overcome? Like, uh... so let me tell you about my last transition uh, because um, mm-hmm. uh, until August last year, we were almost eighty people just on my department, uh, and. Uh, I realized at some point I, I just couldn't manage it anymore. It, you know, I had my management layer, but I just couldn't even manage my managers. And I always said, okay, my door is always open to everybody who wants to speak. So, you know, people were chatting with me, blah, blah. So I was always busy with meeting people. And I realized that, okay, you know, that's too stressful for me. And it's counterproductive for everybody because if I cannot, you know, set new goals, new vision, 
you know, the, mm-hmm. I'm hurting the company. So I said, okay, you know, I need to enable more of my management team. I give them more roles. I help them grow. I still work with them. So the transition that took us four to five months was that, you know, my management team, they're fully responsible for their department. They work uh, with uh, their departments. Actually, they've done tremendous progress. Uh, if you hear, guys, congratulations, by the way. Uh, but I've been telling them, and also we have a very, very, very close relationship where I give them feedback, they give feedback back to me. That That's not easy because uh, as you know, a founder you always want to have the last thing mm-hmm. uh, or you know you think you know what's better for the business but uh, you know you hire people smarter than you so you have to accept that you know people that have their own vision they have their own ideas maybe they have better experience on their domain than you do so shut up and listen so that was uh, my transition period. I think right now we have a very, very healthy relationship. Um, you know, it would be interesting to have a follow-up podcast with them to ask uh, how they think about our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that was the most important transition, you know, understanding that uh, you've built a team, the team now is ready, is mature, and... Mm-hmm they can run without you. That's the most difficult. Wow. That's very interesting. So, uh, and as a business, like at all from, how do you sort of uh, differentiate yourself with the rest of the competition? Like, how do you convince your customers or how do you acquire new customers or how do you differentiate yourself? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, that's very, very interesting. Actually, the, the history of Orpheum uh, is very important. Started six years ago. We wanted to create um, a competitor to SoundCloud back there. Uh, back then, you know, obviously SoundCloud was super big. We couldn't compete. We're super tiny. We want to compete with Spotify. Obviously, you know, that was an even worse decision. So. I would say for the first two years, it was uh, um, it wasn't going pretty well. We weren't growing as uh, as much, and then we met Rob. Uh, Rob is our current CEO. Rob used to be uh, a former executive at Universal Music Group. He was the president of digital there, so he liked what he saw. But he told us, you know, we're going to become a B2B company, not a B2C. So by bringing Rob, he had, you know, business understanding. He had relationships. Um, so he started building, you know, uh, the business development. Um, he was already in the industry for almost 30 years. So, you know, he knew people trusted him. So we were building collectively something and Rob was um, going out and say guys you know this is a big deal and actually you know we were doing trials people trusted our technology and this is you know uh, so I would say mostly mouth to mouth Uh, this is how we're continuing growing Yes, at some point we should use 
more uh, modern marketing techniques. But as of right now, we're using the very, very traditional mouth-to-mouth happy customers that recommend us to other customers. You know, it's not an easy product. Uh, and, you know, our uh, our customers are very, very well connected with each other. And uh, so, you know, just by doing a huge marketing campaign wouldn't help us. We want mm-hmm. people to trust us and recommend us to the other clients. So you're growing organically? Okay. Yes, 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 yes. That's great. And any sort of, so uh, have you guys raised any funds till now? So we're a bootstrap company. Uh, we're a bootstrap uh, not only in the way we grow our business or the way we grow our teams, but in the way we think. So uh, this is on our DNA. Uh, but as I've said uh, again again, you know, this gives us also the opportunity to choose our investors. So last year we uh, made a small round uh, with a boutique uh, VC uh, in Greece, you know, and because we're bootstrap and we didn't actually need the money, it wasn't a survival issue. We just wanted to work with the guys. We fell in love with this uh, VC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we made the deal. Obviously the money helped us uh, boost some product lines, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, since you know we don't think as investors uh, of investors as money to help yeah. us survive but uh, we think of investors are partners on this journey we have the time to you know meet with a lot of investors uh, see you know can we have a coffee like uh, uh, could we be friends uh, you know quotes quotes uh, so if we see that uh, there is chemistry there, uh, then we can proceed. So, you know, uh, we like to make strategic partnerships. So, you know, right now we're also, you know, considering of uh, more partnerships like this. That's why I mentioned it. But as of right now, we've only done a small round last year uh, with Big Pie, uh, the VC in Greece. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing because uh, uh, to run a bootstrap business, it teaches you many things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes, I mean, it teaches you tolerance. Uh, <laughs> it teaches you how to make the hard decisions, you know, because, yes. okay, l- let's be honest. Just a year ago, you know, just a year ago, COVID was starting. So, we had to make the hard decision. Are we going to uh, fire people? Are we going to hire people? Are we going to mm-hmm. stay exactly the same? What's going to happen? We just didn't know. Actually, nobody in the world <laughs> knew uh, how this was going to evolve. But, you know, we uh, took the hard decision of uh, growing more, of hiring people, uh, you know, continue business as usual. Thank God, you know, things worked out for us. But it could have turned uh, completely, you know, uh, all the way around. It couldn't have been good, you know, anything could have happened. Interesting, because ultimately, 
that's the thing so uh, do you plan to raise a bigger round or you're uh, content uh, with the current scenario and grow organically step by step so uh, because uh, this is a discussion we have you know it's uh, uh, early on the year so you know this is one of the discussions we have right now you know we want to continue growing organically uh, because we don't want people to feel like you know we've made it raised 40 million and you know all of a sudden we're all rich no 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 people need always to focus on the client on the client experience client is the first client is the king uh so why we could raise around that's the most important uh, question to ask and uh, in ourselves we say okay you know we have more products that we envision for the next five years so if we raised money we could deploy those to build more products for the future we wouldn't deploy it on the main business lines you know because if our current business lines are not selling we should kill them we should focus on something else but for us you know as i said previously it's on our dna to be bootstrapped which means you know our clients tell us what they need tell us what to do and how does someone build this sort of avoid the temptation to raising funds <laughs> well that's why we have boards i mean you know uh right now we're five uh people in the board uh, we have very mature discussions so you know by the way when you're a startup and you're one or two founders uh, you know you make all the decisions but as you grow you should invest in the board board is an amazing tool for a company i didn't know i learn more and more as we grow how to use it uh, because you know you can have a very mature discussions there uh, and see the bigger picture so personally it helps me a lot and you know i recommend it to all uh, founders to participate in other boards or you know get as much experience in that as you can um so yes you can raise you know easy money uh, or you know make some uh, um uh discounts and uh, say okay you know yes I, I i don't love the term but i'm gonna accept because i need the money so mm. but at the end of the day when you raise money what you give is the most important thing you have you give part of the company so you know when you give part of the company you don't want to exchange it for money yes if you have to if you don't have any other alternative you should but uh we look for partners so maybe that partner is an investor maybe that's a partner uh, you know an executive maybe the, the, the partner can be another company we want to partner with it could be anything but it has to be of utmost importance for the company so since we're bootstrap and you know money is not you know uh, our main priority when and obviously you know yeah. when i say it's not our main priority it's not like if we don't get a fund tomorrow we're gonna close that's what i mean mm -hmm. uh so we want to use this uh gold which is uh the stock options, the equity, to attract 
more partners instead of you know just money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so coming back to in terms of uh, we we are currently also going through the pandemic. So, what has been the impact on your business? Like the business went up, business went down. I mean, assuming people were streaming more music. <laughs> yes, yeah, but but it's not as uh, easy as that. Yes, uh, there was a lot more stream streaming. a lot more work for us but a lot less revenue because for example in youtube all the ad spending from uh, from uh, the global traveling meaning hotels uh, locations to visit airlines all of these uh, completely disappeared bars restaurants so yes uh, and uh, if you look from youtube google uh, facebook they all had losses in some quarters because of the you know ad revenue dropping so much for a few months um, so you know we managed to do well uh, even through the those times but yeah it, it wasn't an easy ride we were taking the balance sheet every month uh, we were being very very cautious with expenses we said only we only going to focus on growing and hiring and nothing else this is still our focus also by the way you know we don't consider ourselves uh, out of this mm-hmm. and how do you see in terms of uh, new products or services in this segment coming up or something you have in mind uh, how this segment will be shaping up in the near future like in 5 years down the line um what exactly mean how the how the segment will sort of change in terms of maybe uh, what new services can you offer ah okay okay how, how can we help the industry mm-hmm. well um uh, as i said we want to help the industry be more productive so all of the tools and services we want to offer uh focus there so the the journey of a music production starts with the artist sitting in the room playing on their piano writing down some lyrics so this is where it all starts um and it ends up when the artist is getting paid in the meantime we have a lot of steps we have labels we have managers we have productions uh we have distributions we have streaming uh, uh and the reverse process then to collect the money from so there are many many steps so we want to provide offerings to all those steps because those are important to our clients our clients are creative companies they want to care about you know the boring stuff of collecting the checks or you know um managing the contracts and uh, storing those uh, creating uh, repositories of knowledge blah, blah blah they want to use those but they don't want to create they don't want to build the tools around them so this is where we think we can help mainly so i was saying how do you see the new streaming like new sort of ways these companies can generate revenue so for example streaming has taken the forefront right uh, so you have spotify apple uh but what are the new avenues for these music labels uh you see coming in 
So actually more streaming services uh, are coming. Uh, I, I know in India, uh, I don't remember the name, but you have a very, very popular streaming platform. Uh, also in China, similarly uh, in Indonesia. So, you know, there are streaming services that are becoming more and more powerful, which is actually great uh, mm-hmm. because we can have more music. Um, also YouTube, becomes more and more uh, of a music uh, destination for people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, streaming is becoming super important, but we should also consider uh, Netflix. We should also consider, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the video as a, as a streaming uh, way of you know listening to music because uh they all have music one way or another so music is also on twitch you know on the gaming you can find music everywhere so it's growing and there are more revenue streams for our clients like tiktok <laughs> yes 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 obviously tiktok is very very important uh because you know it's you know most of it it's music actually people are listening to music and doing something so yeah it's all about music and what is your take on uh, uh, in terms of uh, blockchain coming into picture is there any future or what is your thought process Mm -hmm. well i love the technology of blockchain Mm -hmm. i don't trust the crypto part but as a technology, I see a lot of value there. I haven't created or we haven't deployed anything in production um, with blockchain yet, but uh, I see many, many interesting use cases. Uh, the, the thing is that, um, you know, comparing blockchain to other technologies, I would say blockchain overall is a little bit more expensive. And it's mm-hmm. more expensive because... Um, you don't have the tools you have for a normal database. You don't have the developers. So if you want to build around blockchain, you know, and I'm, I'm having the CTO hat right now, you should consider, you know, for me to build any product, I need team. So how do I find experts in blockchain? How do I have performance monitoring in blockchain? Can I run analytics? You know, there are some basic tools that all of my teams have. Okay, so, you know, on the checklist, it's very, very hard to run analytics on a blockchain or sometimes mm-hmm. it's impossible. Okay, so this is out of the question. So, okay, performance monitoring. that That's something else which is uh, uh, also not there in the maturity where we have technologies like Datadog, New Relic, you know, helping us do the rest of the things. Uh, uh, wow, okay, that was loud. There was a horn. Um, <laughs> yeah. No worries. No worries. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it's. Uh, I think blockchain has a lot of way before be, before becoming super mature. Uh, there are some ways to find blockchain technology. For example, I like the offerings from Amazon. I think Google also has an offering, and there are more offerings where you can just you know buy a managed blockchain. But um, then, you know, when you 
completely by blockchain as a service you have to consider okay you know if i don't own uh the blockchain if somebody else hosts this what do i earn at the end of the day you know immutability okay that's fine but uh there are many amazing libraries that i could have immutability with where i could just in java i could find java and python any language that i want so you know there are many 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 trade-offs so for me blockchain is an amazing framework i look at it continuously i think you know there is a lot of future there i just don't feel ultra confident and maybe you know there are not enough engineers out there that the master it so uh, i'm very reluctant on putting it into, into production because what's going to happen when i have one million clients on it and all of a sudden something happens and i can i don't know how to solve it so it's good for experimentation but when you're considering production i don't know a lot of gaps i mean as you mentioned the skill mm-hmm. set is also very uh, not many people are familiar with so it will i think definitely take some time yeah to reach that production level yeah mm-hmm. exactly exactly wonderful 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 michael i think it's a very interesting uh, business you are in and uh, uh, new things for sure will be coming up in this space so uh, uh, to wrap it up and if i can ask you uh, a question in terms of you know Uh, as you have transitioned from different role to role uh, as the company grew so what is your take away in the sense what is that one or two things which you would have done differently knowing that you know now how you would have dealt a particular situation or your learnings from your uh, journey at all from like if you can share with us yeah so let's say i'm michael four years ago but with the experience that i have today right so if that's the question the answer is uh you know pretty straightforward you know initially i was only focusing on building the products and maybe that's great but um i would spend more time initially building the team uh because that's the most important a company is a group of people uh, focusing on a common vision on a common goal so i would focus more on establishing those as well i wouldn't neglect the product development but i understand that you know when you don't have the experience you're doing a lot of things that it's just a waste of time so you know i could have utilized my resources and my time better uh, and you know my energy uh I, i would you know put it into building the teams empowering the teams uh and you know putting more process in place like i see because i mentor some startups um i, I put that as a priority for them and you know when they start working uh towards it they see the impact they see the result immediately mm-hmm. so i think process is a big big thing uh, because ultimately uh, i i also have personally seen if you can help the team empower you know make them uh, give them the capability 
so i think that's 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 uh, that's every founders or uh, founder stream you know the team can take decision because that's how new products services or creativity happens yes exactly 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 because when you don't do that a day comes where you don't have time and you know this can be three months six months where you don't have time to focus on anything bigger vision uh, so you're just uh, into day-to-day that your teams cannot operate without you so you're creating bottlenecks and this is the worst situation your company can be so you're hurting your company mainly by doing this mm-hmm. wonderful wonderful michael thank you so much for your time it was great having you and understanding uh, all these different perspectives Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking to you again. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we will be back with more interesting episodes soon. Stay tuned.